0: Hey! Hi, everybody. Welcome to Don't Miss This. I'm David Butler.
1: I'm Emily Freeman.
0: Glad y'all are here. We need an intro song. <laughs> Something I've just decided. <laughs>
1: okay.
0: <laughs> Something that can play at the beginning. Okay. Today uh, we're so excited about these chapters. Again, like uh, the Book of Acts really is just kind of like Jesus moving and working through the church. I, I feel like the Book of Acts is the most equivalent book of Scripture to like. The life that we live today, you know, Jesus has ascended into heaven and He's directing and moving the church, you know, through individuals, through prophets and apostles, mm-hmm. and it's just really cool. So I'm so excited about a couple of really good stories yeah. today. We got two like just solid stories on mentoring and ministering, and this is a, the great spot in in here. Um, so uh, we're doing Acts chapter six through
1: nine. Should
0: we let them look at the board? Oh yeah, look at the board. We're Uh, We're going to tell you, you, you're so good at remembering that. I feel like that's the same conversation every time. Because I'm the one
1: who gets all the emails that say, we can't (laughs) can't see see. the board. Um, I got you, everybody.
0: (laughs) So I would block it if I were in charge. (laughs) I'm going to wear wings next time. So um, we're going to tell you these two stories, but we need to introduce kind of the characters and the setting and kind of what's going on in order to really understand how powerful these stories are. So right here, um, the church is starting to get really big. It's growing really fast, and things are going really fantastic. It's too much work for the 12 disciples to run the church, so they call these seven assistants to kind of help them. Um, One of them's name is Stephen, and in chapter 6 and 7, you see Stephen becomes the first martyr. Um, That's going to be important because that's how we're going to get introduced to Saul, which Mm -hmm. is the second story that we're going to tell. Saul actually, like... Well, we'll tell the story in a second. Um, another one of those that's called to assist the 12 is a man whose name is Philip. And we get his story in um, Acts chapter 8. Yep. So let's just turn to Acts chapter 8 if you want. So you can kind of follow along and fill in some of the stuff that's here. But um, Philip is going to have this experience where he's going to be sent um, into this faraway place uh, to meet a man who is a eunuch from Ethiopia. Um, Ethiopia back then to use that word is kind of like to use the phrase Timbuktu, like a a phrase there, there probably, there probably really was an Ethiopia, but it kind of was like just this like place that nobody, people thought existed, but nobody ever went on vacation. Nobody knew where it was on a map. It just was the farthest away from Israel, the farthest away from anybody that you could ever imagine. And a eunuch was somebody either through an accident or their own choice was like rendered without, was rendered sexless. So they couldn't have children and they couldn't have family, which actually made them really valuable because um, they could work long weekends and long weeks Mm -hmm. for people because they didn't have a family or any other, you know, relationships. They could work uh, for a queen or a princess because nobody kind of had to worry about them or anything like that, but they really were, so like could become really rich and were really useful but man, they have really, really sad lives mm-hmm. and no futures. Lonely. Really yeah, lonely, lonely, and no futures at all. And um, remember, like that, during ever since like the law was given, and back in the book of Deuteronomy, all the way up until Jesus is the one who really starts pushing the boundaries here a little bit for them. And and you're going to find out next time is really going to start shoving the mm-hmm. church a little bit into a direction that. No, I said to teach all nations mm-hmm. to move out and and it's going to take some shoving yeah. by the spirit to get them over that tradition that they've got mm-hmm. in in their minds but eunuchs in the law deuteronomy chapter twenty three verse one specifically were not allowed um to walk into the tabernacle and worship inside the you know inside the temple and so they they were just outcasts what you have here what I'm trying to set up for you is You have the story of an outcast, a lonely person who's from Timbuktu.
1: Who has no future generations, no no family lines that will come from him. And you love, again, that what we're being taught is how to love outside the lines. How to go outside the margins. How to look for the people who most people would overlook. And that's going to happen in two two stories here. We really are going to be taught how to have brave love in these stories.
0: Yeah. And what's interesting, remember the culture is that we don't go to these people and you see some really brave disciples Mm -hmm. um, who do. What's interesting is when you meet this eunuch in in just a minute, what you're going to find out is that he had just been up to Jerusalem to worship. Now if you know that he's not allowed in the temple, that's when that phrase in Acts chapter eight becomes heartbreaking because you're like, wait, why and what was he doing in Jerusalem to worship if he can't go inside the temple?
1: And you love that we also know about him, that he was a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. So this is like a well-respected man in his community and in his office, but just Without, a, without his own family or faith community. Um.
0: Yeah. So the writer of Acts, which might be Luke, um, knows that people reading this are going are, are to, like they're, you're going to about to watch the discussion next week, the argument and the debate about do we give the gospel to the outsiders mm-hmm. or not, you know, and the writer almost like zooms in on, it's really easy to be like, no, it's not for them. No, it's not for them. But the writer zooms in on individual people so you can almost see that i mean can you see this eunuch Mm -hmm. in jerusalem peeking through the cracks of the temple looking over the fence to see what is going on wants to be involved and when you hear this one individual say but how about me Mm -hmm. can i be a part of it can i be welcomed in do I belong in this place? Like it's on purpose, You we get yeah, zoomed it's in on, good, on the ones a good here. And
1: we want you, as we go through this, to be looking for the lessons on ministering, on those lessons on loving outside the lines, on, on what it looks like to cross over cultural barriers or age barriers or relational barriers. How do we learn to love in that situation? And we're gonna be talking about that all day today. Um, As we go through, we've left you a box, how to mentor and minister. And so just watch what Philip does and how that might relate in your own ministering relationships or where you are mentoring. I'm going to start in Acts 8, verse 26. The angel of the Lord comes to Philip and he says, Arise and go toward the south on the way that goes toward Jerusalem. I love, isn't that how this, this spirit works in our lives? It's just like, you know what? I need you to get up and go and go this way. And sometimes we're like, wait, why? Why? Why to the south? Why am I going? This where am I going? Just give me my end destination, and most often that is not how the spirit works, and that's what happens. Is the spirit says to him, "Arise and go," and, that's and he says,
0: one. "Yeah," and and it says, to "Go to Gaza, which is a desert," and you're kind of like, "Wait, nobody's there. Like, yeah. why, why would I, I go going there? there? It doesn't yeah. even like it's not Jerusalem's like the hub, you yes. know?
1: Yeah, And so he does. He, it tells us in verse twenty-seven, and he arose and went. And he starts going. He sees a eunuch of great authority, the one that um, we went. He came to Jerusalem for to worship. And now he's returning. And he's sitting in his chariot and he's reading. It says in um, verse 28, Esaias, um, which is Isaiah. That is just a translation. Um, It confuses us a little bit, but that's just Isaiah. Um, He's reading Isaiah the prophet. And the spirit says to Philip, go near and join yourself to that. Chariot, and then you love in verse 30. And Philip ran thither to him, and he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. So, as you look at these things, some of the things you want to write down is um, very first the spirit prompts him to go to a place that he doesn't necessarily feel like is maybe worth anything to him, but right. but he goes. And in verse 29, um, he joins himself to that chariot. Right, he does exactly what the spirit says that that's where you're going, that's who I need you to be near. Right, um, it's what we've taught about Jesus, he's going to meet you where you are, as you are, and that's what Philip is doing mm. in that moment. He goes and he meets him where he is, as he is, and when he gets there in verse 30, he runs um, and he hears him reading the prophet Isaiah, and he says to him, and I love this part, do you understand what you're reading? Which is so interesting because how many of us understand Isaiah when we read it? Like how many of you would be like, no, I don't. I don't have any idea what is happening right now in Isaiah. I I I, get it. I think that is a. (laughs) love it. You're like, I got it. I know everything about Isaiah. Um, I love that um, he just sits right next to him and says, do you understand what you are reading? And the eunuch says back to him in verse 31, how can I accept... Someone should guide me. And so already in just this little spot right here, um, you see this interaction, right? It's follow the spirit, join to that person, look where they are, what are they doing? um, What is happening? Even if they're trying to figure out some hard thing, your job is to to meet them where they are and to figure out what is happening. And then I love the question that he says, do you understand what you're reading? do you understand this place where you are? Help me to understand the place where you are better. And because he does all of those things, then that man trusts him enough to be like, actually I could use some help with this, right? Mm. He did all of that prep work before Um, he asked. And it's interesting because the part of Isaiah that he is reading, he tells him, this is the place where I am in verse 32. And it's in Isaiah 53, seven and eight. which is interesting, because talk to us about what was happening there.
0: Yeah, what's awesome about Isaiah is this is the spot where it's a prophecy about Jesus, and it says he'll be led as a, sleep, uh, uh, as a sheep to the slaughter. Um, but then he says, and in his humiliation, his judgment is taken away, and who will declare his generation for, is, for his life is taken, and he's cut off from the earth. And you almost wonder if that eunuch, because the eunuch actually asks in the next question, he's like, wait, who is this? Is, is this the prophet? who's writing, or is he talking about somebody else? Mm -hmm. And Philip's gonna tell him, this is Jesus. And you almost like, the eunuch's like, wait, you mean Jesus didn't have any children? Jesus got cut off from his future? He didn't have a future that he was expecting and living towards? And for the first, like, this is an awesome spot that he is. It's almost like the eunuch was flipping through the book, looking for his own name. Like, where do I fit in here? Am I in here? And Philip, and he's in a spot, where the unit can relate Mm
1: -hmm. with
0: who Jesus is and knows now Jesus. Jesus sees me, my name's in the book, you know?
1: Yeah, and you love because it tells us in verse 35, then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And you love it. He met him where he was. In the doubt, in the questioning, in the wondering. He wasn't like, you know what? My lesson for today actually was in...
0: Sorry, yeah, couple no. back.
1: He's, he, he met him where he was. And he's, he began teaching from that place and moved forward, which that is such a great principle. You've got a spot for that right here in 35. And then after he's done teaching, in verse 36 it says, and as they went on their way... I love that now it's not just the eunuch's way, and it's not just Philip's way anymore, but it's their way. They're going to start traveling this journey together. And I love this part because... And
0: that's such a powerful principle. Yeah. Where it's just like, I can remember as a missionary, first started as a missionary, being really like, um, just with a lot of self-doubt, a lot of like, um, like, just inadequate, mm-hmm. all the things that, you know, you feel when you get a hard assignment or, or whatever, especially if you're supposed to live in love like Jesus, you're like, mm-hmm. I just can't. And my branch president gave me this advice where he said to me, when you start making other people's problems, your problems, yours disappear. Mm-hmm. And it was really good. Like, I just love that Philip goes in. And he's just like, now this is not your journey. This is now our journey. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be Philip's journey. It's going to be his. It's going to be, that's a eunuch's problem. Um, that's the eunuch's future. That's the eunuch's like mm-hmm. misunderstanding. But Philip like gets in the yoke with him and says like, "This is now our journey. This is now and our problem." And I love problem. that
1: thought of in those moments when you're going through something hard, you're not looking for someone to fix the problem for you necessarily, but you are looking for someone to journey with you yeah. along the way. And that's what Philip becomes for that person. Is I'm gonna I'm not just gonna come in here and say, "Well, I think you should do this," and "I think you should do this," and then they go home and that. That's not ministering. Ministering is, all right, let's sit down and figure this out together, right? Problem solving isn't a problem unless you you come in and give it and walk away but it's that thought about that journeying together, that's what people are looking for.
0: And when we say ministry, we don't mean necessarily like the official ministry and assignment that you get Mm -hmm. at church or whatever like although that could qualify. We're just ministering as a synonym. Anyone for just, who's
1: in your circle of loving, influence. I'm loving like
0: Jesus. This yep. is my, I'm God's yep. image bearer to the people in my circle of influence.
1: Yes, so good. Um, and I love it as they're just going on their way and now they're both together and they're just talking about scripture. Probably that's what I imagine and getting to know each other. And all of a sudden the eunuch says, see, here is water what's preventing you from baptizing me and i just love that it. it's like it just settles up it philip isn't like this is what we need to do next you know and this is the next part of the process this would be the next step if, if i was doing it um you know there's no checklist here he opens up the eunuch's heart enough that when the eunuch sees an opportunity for progression he actually asks what's preventing you from allowing me to take the next step and i love that um so Peter just says to him, if you can believe with all your heart, um, then you can. And he says, I believe that Jesus is the Christ. And again, we're gonna see that power of belief become so important. That's what Jesus asks of us. That's what he wants from us is belief. And um, that belief is gonna look like something, right? We, we talked about it already. Believing is a brave way to live your life. It is hard to believe and it's gonna require your whole heart when you enter into that, but that's what he invites him to do is just believe. And how are we doing that with all of the people who we know? And so they they did, they went down both under the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came out of the water, then um, Philip went his way. And you love that the eunuch went on his way rejoicing. And maybe that's our job as mentors Mm. and as ministers is just to make sure we leave whoever we've been with rejoicing when we have left. And sometimes that means spending a lot of hard moments with someone as we're walking through that process, but it's important. That's, that's part of the ministering is we walk through those hard things together until we can leave that person rejoicing after. So that's the first lesson we learn on ministering. You see it here. I love just if we were to encapsulate that you love an angel spake into Philip saying arise and go, and he arose and went, and then the spirit said to Philip, "Join yourself um, to this man." And Philip ran. And you just love that when Philip is given the opportunity to minister, he is like right now, and uh, you know, and how fast should I go? Yeah,
0: and and this is so neat because he's given a, a, an assignment from the Lord to go to a desert place.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: a disappointing one, a, a confusing one, and. And he runs to it, and it's almost like the Lord's like, I'm I can use someone like him, yeah, right. Where there's no expectations except what we meet someone there and journey with them. That's mm-hmm. it. Like that's so like good. that's what he's just
1: asking yeah. him and, to do. And we're you gonna go? see that lesson again as we move into Saul's story. We are gonna watch the Lord again as he meets someone where they are, as they are, and and extends them grace that will give them the opportunity to be transformed through him. Um, this is one of our favorite stories acts
0: chapter 9. so saul you meet with stephen's story we already talked about that. stephen is stoned to death um first christian martyr after jesus and saul you meet him because he's the one holding the coats and the cloaks and giving consent and permission for this to happen so that's where you meet him first you see him again in acts chapter 9 at the very beginning breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples he is on his way to a city called Damascus with letters or like warrants for arrest. He will arrest men, women, children, drag mm-hmm. them into pres- prison for being followers of Jesus. Like he is adamantly opposed to the Christ- mm-hmm. to anybody who believes in, in Christ. And he's on his way there. And that phrase, by the way, um, anytime you hear it, the road to Damascus, that is code language for second chances. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have that in the just in the notes of my scripture that like road to Damascus means um, second chances because mm-hmm. that's where he is when he meets Jesus, which is so interesting that he is on his way to persecute people and yes. that is where he meets Jesus. Yeah. And
1: you think to yourself, sometimes we talk about grace can't come until after all you can do. And Saul's story is an exact Um, refute to that, right? Because what had he done? What was his after all he could do? He had opposing letters. He had everything about him was against everything Jesus was doing. And yet Jesus is going to meet him where he is, as he is. And he doesn't intend to leave him there, right? He is going to offer him grace that will allow Paul to transform yeah we almost life. want
0: oh paul and saul same person yes. saul is his hebrew name paul is his roman name so he uses both depending on who he's teaching just so if we use either one that's who we mean and i almost want to rebrand like road to damascus now is is code word for grace like that jesus mm-hmm. meets you on your road to damascus yeah. even if you're on your way so in opposition yeah. somewhere so he's going along this road headed there a light comes from heaven and and stops him knocks him off his horse and and says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? In verse four. Um, And we said this earlier in the gospels, but in ancient writing, whenever you mention a name twice in a row, it's a really tender um, tone of voice. Mm -hmm. So remember he said, Jesus said, Martha, Martha, Mm -hmm. right? And here, even though he's just knocked him to his backside and blinded (laughs) him, um, he still uses a tone of voice. It's like, you know, Saul, Saul. Like a really like he's coming in tenderly. Um, why persecutest thou me? He doesn't know who it is. Who's this voice? Who's talking to me? You know, who are you? And he says, "I'm Jesus, whom thou persecutest." You know, and and then he says to him, "It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks," um, which is a funny phrase. Um, it's an old uh, Elizabethan King James English way of saying it. Probably hurts to kick a sandal. Nope, a cactus. <laughs> In a sandal. In a sandal. In an open-toed sandal is what he's kind of saying. Or in other words, like, do you really like the way that your life is going? Is this, is this how you, do you feel good when you're with your own thoughts? Like, is this where you're headed? Do you like where you're, you know, you're headed? Um, we have um, Emily's mother-in-law, Bonnie, is just the most darling lady in the world. Hi, Bonnie, if you're watching. <laughs> um, and she and her husband, Ralph, once got this assignment um, from the state president to teach the seminary class and the Sunday school class at the youth prison here in Utah. And they were assigned D block, which is where you go if you are headed to the big boy prison when you turn 18. So some really tough folks in there. And they had this class where you could come and, and the prisoners got to choose whether they wanted to come to it or not. And they were there teaching, and Bonnie always wanted to take a dessert.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> because, so it, because she just, and they kept telling her, you can't have a dessert. They use utensils as weapons, you know? And she was just insistent. She would
1: bring desserts with spoons. Yeah, so and, they, everyone yeah could... and they
0: checked out the spoons. Like spoon A, they were marked, and you had to check them back in. And the man said to her one time, the guy who was there the warden was like, why are you so insistent on bringing dessert? And she's like, well, if they had moms who made them dessert, maybe they wouldn't be in jail. Just, that's just so sweet. So she would just bring them. One day this man comes in, this boy comes in, who's just this gigantor of a person. It was Goliath. He's been reincarnated. <laughs> and he comes back in. Like, Just imagine, like six six two sixty with words tattooed on his face that would make your mom blush. Just like, yeah, bald. Oh, yeah. Kind of a freaky really looking, like a dementor. Looking. He's a yeah. dementor. Um, comes in and walks up to her and she introduces herself. Hi, I'm Bonnie. And he says back to her, well, I don't care who you are. Um, And then he said, I don't need you, I don't need your church, and I don't need your God. And then Bonnie, sweet Bonnie, five foot nothing, says to this prisoner with no handcuffs, "Um, yeah, how's that working out for ya? And the, the person, the guard saw what was happening, came over, took the guy out, body just collapsed to the hall and said, if looks could kill, we'd have all been dead, you know? But that's kind of like what the Lord is asking to Saul here. This like free, this people are scared of him. And he's saying to you, how's this working out for you? Mm-hmm. You know, is this the way, yep. you know, you want things to go? Um, what's interesting is a couple weeks later, that same guy comes back. To the, you know, to the prison class and walks into the room, Bonnie probably thought she was gonna die in that day, <laughs> um, walks into the room, comes up to Bonnie and says, uh, with teary eyes, I just wanted to apologize, but I do need you and I do need your church and I do need your God. Will you help me? Which is essentially what Saul asked, which is why he's gonna be okay. President Benson says the reason he's okay is because he asks the most important question which in, where is the verse? I lost it. Um,
1: Six, Verse six.
0: Then what do you want me to do? Mm -hmm. I I, I do need, no, I I don't like where my life is going. No, it's not working out. Yes, I feel like I'm kicking a cactus. What can I do? How can I change? It's just awesome, the most unexpected person that you think is not worth Mm -hmm. ministering to, that is unsavable, unreachable, that quickly. It's like, okay. What do you want me to do?"
1: And so the men who are traveling with him take him, he's blind remember, and they bring him into um, Damascus and he goes three days without sight and he doesn't eat or drink. And there is a certain disciple at Damascus whose name is Ananias. We rarely talk about this part of the story. We usually stop right there with Lord, what would you have me do? The best part of the ministering story actually happens right here with Ananias there is a man named Ananias and the Lord comes to him in a vision. And he says, Ananias, and he says, behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord says to him, arise and go into the street, which is called straight, which I love that that is the name of the street, straight, <laughs> just go to the straight street and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus for behold, he prays, he's praying. And I love that his response, Ananias's response is so genuine because he says to him, Lord, do you know who this is? Like, he has come here with letters in hand. He could take me to prison. I could die if I go to that man's house. Are you sure you want me to go to the house where that man is? And the
0: Lord looks him up in the yearbook. Yeah. He's like, oh, <laughs> never mind. I got that. And, but that, um, I mean, everybody knew who Saul yeah, was. It would be like, it. it would be like saying like, Ananias, go to Straight Street, there's a man there, his name's Hitler, and he's praying. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like he would have been like...
1: He knew who he was. What? And um, in verse 15, the Lord says unto him, go, for he is a chosen vessel unto me. And I'm sure Ananias was like, wait, this is what it looks like to be chosen? Because this is not what my description of chosen would have been. But you love, um, in verse 17, it says, and Ananias went. Mm. And he goes into this house. And see, he
0: can use people like this, yes. you know, like Philip, like yeah. Ananias, yes. they just.
1: I love thinking of this moment at the door. I just want you to think about that. Here's the door and you've so got good. Paul on one side, you have Ananias on the other side. why
0: does she make me Paul?
1: Okay. Just,
0: I'm just kidding, I'll be <laughs> Paul.
1: you, uh, you're gonna have a good second <laughs> chance. You be Paul and, um, He's on the other side of the door and you think of these two men standing on both sides of the door because on one hand you have Ananias who he doesn't even want to knock because he is like, I don't, I'm scared of that guy. I I know what he could do to me. I know what he has the power from the government to do to me. I, I know what he's done to my friends. Um, I don't. He, he, there's probably a lot of fear. And a lot of anger and a lot of resentment and all those things. And you have Saul on the other side of the door, who is blind, who can't defend himself at all. He knows what he's done. He Probably has to his friends, to his family. The, yeah, like and this. the remorse of that. And he too has to have that fear of like, if I open the door, I don't know what this man is going to do when he gets on the other side of this door? I don't know. And the thought of both of them standing on either side of that door in that moment where ministering is about to happen, and and we've all probably been there. There's a lot of hurt, there's anger, there's fear, there's guilt, there's shame, there's all of those things. And then Ananias goes to the house and he walks in, and this is my favorite thing. The very first thing he says, to Paul of all the things he could have said to Paul is he calls him brother he puts his hand on his head and he says brother Saul the Lord even Jesus has sent me and I love just that moment of him calling him his brother in that moment which had to have been shocking for Paul and, and we know it made an impression and we're gonna talk about that in future chapters. That is something that leaves a deep impression on Paul's heart. And um, and he sends him and he, and he tells him, I'm gonna give you your sight and you're gonna move forward in your life and go forward from here. I love um, turning to Acts 22 when we tell this story. You might wanna mark in your story right here about Ananias, um, to put this Acts 22 story in here because not only does he come in and call him brother and give him a blessing.
0: Acts 22 is where Paul is retelling the story later on in his life. So it's yeah. the same story but with some new details.
1: Yeah, with some added insight. And it tells us, it's gonna tell us um, what happened in that blessing and in that, that ministering moment. Um, he tells us in verse 13 of Acts 22 that Ananias came into my house and he stood and he said unto me, and then Paul wants to make sure you know he called him brother Saul. He tells you again, receive your sight. And that same hour I looked on him. You love that Ananias didn't come in and be like, okay, I've done my job and now I'm on my way. Remember what we talked about the eunuch in Philip? He for an hour sat there with him while he waited for his sight. To come back and and then he said this. Now
0: this is our journey, right? Like yep, remember when yep, we saw that with the Philip yep, and yep, and remember when, when the eunuch says to Philip, um, "Do you have any reason to not baptize me?" Philip could have said, "Well, yeah, people are going to talk when I get back home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. probably going to get in some trouble somehow because this is not what people do. Mm-hmm. I'm going to lose my reputation." And same thing with Ananias, like if he sticks yeah. with him, it was like you.
1: What are you doing doing with with him? him? Yeah, it's so interesting. And you love that he looks on um, Saul. And there is this power. um, This is something I've been studying lately, that there is a power in language. And if we can learn to talk to people the way God talks to people, and this language of hope, this language of faith, he says to him, sitting there, he's known him for an hour, and he says in verse 14, Okay, the God of our fathers has chosen you you are chosen that that's what god sees in you is someone who is chosen and he wants you to know his will and um you're going to see him you are going to hear his voice and you are going to be his witness and then i love what he says to him in verse 16 what are you waiting for paul what are you waiting for arise get up and and let's start doing the work and he just he speaks to him Of who he could become of who God sees in him there are so many powerful lessons in here as you look at Ananias because he he looks past what his feelings are he sees the person God sees he goes in he loves him without boundaries he just loves across the lines he calls him brother and then he says let me tell you what God sees in you let me help you see who God thinks you can become and Can we do that? Mm. What is the power of doing that? And we want you to ask yourself two questions here. We call this the Ananias principle. Yeah, so, okay, I go through each of the four of
0: these.
1: These four things are, the first one's in verse 10, be available. Um, The second one is in verse 13 through 16, see as God sees. Um, Verse 17 is gonna be um, love outside the lines, love without bounds, just love. And then in verse 19, and this is where you wanna also go to Acts, strengthen that person. That's the Ananias principle. But we want you to spend some time thinking today. um, First of all, who is your Ananias? When you look back at your life, who has been the person who mentored and ministered to you and helped you know Jesus better, helped you realize who you were in God's eyes? And will you just write down some of the things you learned from that experience. And, and, and you may who, even... And someone who
0: loved you undeservedly. Like who yeah. loved you when you were unlovable, you know?
1: Yeah. And you might want to write them a letter or send them a text. Um, and, and we want to remind you that loving, we've had um, a lot of conversation about people wondering about unconditional love. Loving can still include boundaries. It still includes you being able to set up what that kind of love would look like and if you've had an ananias in your life you probably have experienced that that as you are going through a rough change or a second chance loving doesn't mean there are no boundaries or there's no um, conditions for growth because with jesus there are conditions for growth and progression right but um, it does mean he will meet you where you are and he will take you as you are and he will help you become better and that's what Ananias teaches. The other question we wanna ask you is, who is your salt? Who needs you right now to minister and to mentor, to love outside the lines and and to be able to teach them um, who Jesus is in a way that they can experience and understand and invite them to be able to change whatever that looks like. This is a subject we are really passionate about. It's a subject we teach about all the time um, We are teaching about it here, but also um, in the other community where we spend a lot of time over at Multiply Goodness, we will be um, having a live event in Lehigh where we'll be talking about loving outside the lines in June. Um, And also in August, August 17th, that Thanksgiving point. If this is something you wish you knew more about, this loving outside the lines, um, we'll be talking about that on our Instagram accounts or if you follow Multiply Goodness, we are gonna spend an entire afternoon teaching what it looks like to love outside the lines, to speak with love, to have brave love, to have pure love, um, all of those things that you can find out more about that on both of our sites.
0: And I just love, as you were telling that story at the door, I just remembered a time sitting, standing on a doorstep at one time, um, give, being given an assignment from heaven to go see this place and just standing there at a door about to knock and being really really afraid and at that time I I wish I'd had this really clarified like David your job is to knock on that door and then to be available see as God sees love them and strengthen them like that's your expectation Hmm. that is your assignment from heaven and if like the like the eunuch they start asking you like will you guide me here or guide me there yes then step five i will be available to guide you if you would like to learn more about jesus if you'd like to learn Mm -hmm. more about covenant relationship absolutely but there is a lot of confident confidence that comes in knowing standing there on a doorstep my job is these four things be available see as god sees and i just want to say like i that is a spiritual gift that comes when we are available. Mm-hmm. Number two comes after one. If you're like, Lord, I might not be the most capable person in the world or uh, the best person for this job um, but or this errand that you want to send me on, but I am available. And then I have found every time that he gives me the spiritual gift to see people the way He's, he sees them.
1: And I think it's important to realize that sometimes we may be working with or loving um, someone who doesn't know Jesus Christ and doesn't think they want to know Jesus Christ at that time. And that doesn't mean our journey is over. Um, I'll never forget one time in my life working with a woman who said to me, I don't really know who Jesus is, but sometimes I think I see him in you. And maybe you spend a year or two years or four years just being the representation of what Jesus could be. In someone's life until they get to the point where they where yeah. they say, see, here is water. Yeah. <laughs> What's preventing no, what you should we from teaching me about having a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ?
0: Right. Because really, like someone's like, Wait, I my job is to teach them about this. It's like, no 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 no.
1: Your, your job is, is, to, is to love, love like, like he, he does. Right.
0: If someone came into a relationship or into our buildings, into our churches and said, There is a lot of Jesus here, not but, I, but it's not from what they're teaching. I mean, maybe it is. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really listening. It's, it's how that's I'm treated. It's how I feel when, you know, when, I, when I'm here. Yeah. So,
1: so. That's, our, that's our challenge for you this week, the invitation, just love. Go out of your way to minister. And, and what can you learn from these two men and their ministering examples, and what will that look like in your life?
0: Yeah. Okay, see you next week. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This.
1: Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com. And you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler.
0: Thanks for listening. Bye.